Salam, guys. I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru, or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Sharia compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Sharia side on our website. Assalamualaikum everyone. Let's make a start then. So, inshallah, we're going to go through the tafsir today of certain verses from the Quran, 247 to 251. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu ونشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحديث حديث محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد. So we've been going through the Quran and for those of you who are joining this tafsir for the first time, we do a weekly tafsir where we spend about twenty minutes or so going through personal finance, investment, careers and money-related topics that come up during the tafsir of the Qur'an. And we've been going through and we're somewhere near the end of Ali Imran at the moment. But for today, I wanted to switch it up a bit. And we've all probably been reading a bit more of the Qur'an during the month of Ramadan. And so I wanted to just reflect a little bit on some of the passage that I'd been reading or been listening to in the Taraweeh prayers over the last few days and just sharing some of my thoughts on that. So this is a passage about Talut, or Saul, as he's known in the Bible. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he appointed Talut, or Saul, to be the king of the children of Israel. And the verse goes, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ بَعَثَ لَكُمْ طَالُوتَ مَلِكًا قَالُوا أَنَّا يَكُونُ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ عَلَيْنَا وَنَحْنُ أَحَقُّ بِالْمُلْكِ مِنْهُ وَلَمْ يُؤْتَ سَعَةً مِنَ الْمَالِ قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ وَاللَّهُ يُؤْتِي مُلْكَهُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ 
Their Prophet told them, Allah has appointed Saul to be your king. They protested, How can he be our king when some of us are more deserving of kingship than he, and he has not been blessed with vast riches? He replied, Allah has chosen him over you and blessed him with knowledge and stature. Allah grants kingship to whoever he wills, and Allah is all-bountiful, all-knowing. And each of these verses that I read, I really want to pull out just a few specific points and then move on. With this one, what I found really interesting was how the children of Israel were confusing between those who have vast riches as the person who is most worthy of kingship or leadership. Somehow wealth or having money was seen as this indicator that this person would therefore be a great leader or a person who should hold a position of authority. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gives an alternative. He says that actually having knowledge, having the know-how and the intelligence to be able to lead with respect to that specific position of leadership, whatever it might be, and having stature, having that authority and the personal skills that it requires to lead is actually more important. And this is a point of reflection for us as well, because if I asked any of us in this Telegram voice chat, if I asked any of you guys directly point blank, do you respect someone who's more wealthy or not? You'd probably turn around and say, no, I don't. Wealth is not something that I think makes any difference, really. If someone's poor or rich, I'd treat them just the same, because that's how we're all brought up and that's how we're all taught. But actually, if at the same time we took everyone in this room and then we plonked in into that room someone who I said before he comes in, this guy is worth about 400 million pounds. And then that person walked in. There would be a difference in the way that you were, even your body would be towards that person. The way that people stand would change. They would subconsciously start turning towards him or her. The way they would speak to that person would be different. There would be a lot of deference there. And actually, fun story, and obviously in my times of Jahiriya, when I was at university, I was studying in my first year when I arrived at Oxford. We went around to various different colleges, and as a kid, you do silly things. And one of my friends, he introduced me to a group of people as Sheikh Talal bin Saud, one of the crown princes of Saudi Arabia. And immediately I experienced what royalty must feel like all the time because immediately people became incredibly deferential towards me and one of the girls she asked what does one do to royalty does one like bow or courtesy I said don't worry about that I'm not that kind of royal person you had people peering out of doors and looking at me and obviously at some point I had to let the facade drop because I didn't want to be recruited by the Bullingdon club or something but that experience stuck with me and it made me realize how people genuinely do wrongly confuse between wealth and some deeper reason why that person should be respected. And this is something that we should, of course, definitely not do as Muslims. Then moving on, the next verse is, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ آيَةَ مُلْكِهِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ التَّابُوتُ فِيهِ سَكِينَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَبَقِيَّةٌ مِّمَّا تَرَكَ آلُ مُوسَى وَآلُ هَارُونَ تَحْمِلُهُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ their prophet further told them the signs of Saul's kingship is that the ark will come to you containing reassurance from your Lord and relics from the family of Moses and the family of Aaron, which will be carried by the angels. 
Surely in this is a sign for you if you truly believe. Again, normally when I do these tafasir, I, I try and actually look at the tafasir. But today I wanted to really just keep it to the level where you're kind of reflecting live on the verses of the Quran as you're listening to them. And this made me think about how one of the signs that this is actually coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that it has this reassurance in it. Fihi sakinatum mir rabbikum. There is this sakina, this peace, this tranquility, this reassurance coming from your Lord to you. And so if we think about that a bit more deeply, this peacefulness and this tranquility that comes into our hearts at a certain time when we are engaged in certain activities or we are put in certain positions is a great signal, right? Life is this live stream of stimuli and data and information that we are bombarded by. And what we're trying to optimize for as Muslims is ultimately we want to do well in the afterlife and we want to serve what is our purpose in life and that is serving the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and trying to get to paradise in the akhirah, in the afterlife. And one of the big challenging things that we should be trying to clutch at whenever we get the chance is feedback. Because feedback is so precious and rare. We should be like thirsty people when we find water, when we get this feedback. Because that feedback is the very thing that allows us to course correct. It allows us to make sure that we are recalibrating whatever it is we are doing and making sure that we are pointing it in the right direction. We were having a discussion with one of our portfolio companies, a startup that we've invested in. They hadn't launched for many months and they'd been building this product and they were very excited about it. But then eventually when they launched the product, immediately you have this blizzard of feedback that you get from users. And that feedback then enables you for the first time to see the flaws and to course correct and solve the problems that you have in this case in your app or in your business. But that's also the case with life. And one of the big signals that we can find in our life, because obviously when you've got an app, you've got Google Analytics or Apple Analytics, and that tells you what's going wrong and what's happening. But with life, there are different kind of analytics. And the analytics of life, one of the signals is Sakina in your heart, that tranquility in your heart. If you feel at peace, if you feel happy with something, then that is a great signal because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has created us with the fitrah and the fitrah is something that inclines towards what is good. The souls, when we were created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they said, yes, you are our Lord. The soul tends, inclines towards goodness, it inclines towards fitrah, inclines towards monotheism and oneness and the good stuff, in other words. So when it comes to listening to your heart and listening to how you feel, then you should definitely do that. It is something that you should definitely not ignore. And by the way, this applies to your career as well. I know many people, they've become very practiced at giving a very glib response when you ask about whether or not you're enjoying your career. If you ask an investment banker if he's enjoying his career, he'll tell you, yeah, absolutely, it's fantastic. I really enjoy the deal-making analysis that I have to carry out. I really enjoy the high-octane atmosphere, the quality of the people that I work with. But then the same investment banker will be crying to his mom at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning on his way home from work. This is not an exaggeration. This is genuinely what happens in these kind of careers. And I'm not making a judgment call. This is not the forum to make a judgment call on that. But what I am saying is that really examine when you're giving those glib responses. I say this to myself first and make sure that you're not covering over some cracks and there is some kind of disturbance in the force 
that you sense yourself, but you're trying to dissuade yourself that is the case. So those are some of the thoughts that came to me when I was listening to this verse. Let's move on. فَلَمَّا فَصَلَ طَالُوتُ بِالْجُنُودِ قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُبْتَلِيكُمْ بِنَهَرُ فَمَنْ شَرِبَ مِنْهُ فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي وَمَنْ لَمْ يَطْعَمْهُ فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي إِلَّا مَنْ اغْتَرَفَ غُرْفَةً بِيَدِهِ فَشَرِبُوا مِنْهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِنْهُمْ فَلَمَّا جَاوَزَهُ هُوَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ قَالُوا لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا الْيَوْمَ بِجَالُوتَ وَجُنُودِهِ قَالَ الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُوا اللَّهِ كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلَةٍ غَلَبَتْ فِئَةً كَثِيرَةً بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ When Saul marched forth with his army, he cautioned his army. He said, Allah will test you with a river. And so whoever drinks his fill from this river is not from me. And whoever does not taste it except with a sip from the hollow of his hands, i.e. you're only allowed to take a sip from the hollow of your hands from this river, is definitely with me. They all drank their fill except for a few. And then when he and the remaining faithful with him crossed the river, i.e. the people that had actually listened to him, these people, they said, now we are no match for Goliath and his warriors because they could see Jalut, they could see Goliath and his warriors and the massive army they had in front of them. But those believers who were certain they would meet Allah reasoned, how many times has a small force vanquished a mighty army by the will of Allah and Allah is always with the steadfast. This is such a profound verse and it got me thinking in all sorts of different ways. So the first thing is obviously life is a test and each stage there are many hurdles and the point is that we need to try and stick through them because at each hurdle you should think of it as a purification. You should think of the people who get past that hurdle to the next stage are the ones who are the creme de la creme or the cream of the crop and each hurdle you get past you are getting higher and higher in the ranks. In the case of the Akhirah, obviously in the case of the afterlife, in terms of the ranks of paradise and how well you do in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also from a purely worldly perspective as well. Let's say you put a piece of metal through the fire and you burn off the impurities from it. The more time that metal stays in the fire, the more you burn off those impurities from it and the purer and purer it becomes. And we should be like that. We should embrace these challenges and these difficulties. When I talked about in my email earlier today and in the messages about the friction, this is what I meant. We should be those people who embrace friction because friction is something that we naturally tend away from. But actually friction is the very thing that drives progress in our life and in the world at large. If there wasn't friction, if there wasn't pushback, then there would be no improvement in this world. If there wasn't a pain point that people had, there wouldn't be someone who'd come along and solve that pain point. If everything was going hunky-dory and there wasn't that restriction or that pushback, then there wouldn't be any sense of improvement. In fact, if we even go deeper than that, if our free will is to have any real meaning, then that free will needs to have real reward and real punishment behind it. Because if there isn't that real reward and that real punishment, then the fabric of life and the experience that we have of this dunya is not going to be a fulfilling and meaningful experience, so much so that it deserves the reward that it does and it deserves the punishment that it does. If you have a world 
where there is basically no way that you can do any evil, then that is a world that is actually in many ways much, much, much less meaningful than the world where we have real free will, where we can actually choose to make the decision to do good or make the decision to do evil. The benefit or the value of choosing to do good only makes sense if you've got that other side of the coin, that possibility of doing evil. So having that friction actually allows you to improve yourself. Imam Ali, he says, be like the flower that gives its fragrance to even the hand that crushes it. And Imam Shafi'i, he talks about He says, Imam Shafi'i, he says that the evil person or the ignorant person, he addresses me in all sorts of evil manner, but I refrain from replying to him. He increases in his ignorance and his vileness, but I increase in my forbearance. That's the key thing for Imam Shafi'i, he's increasing in his forbearance. Like the Ud, when the Ud perfume, when you burn the Ud perfume, all that it does, this burning, is actually going to be increasing in the smell that it gives out. So that's what we should be like. We should be like that person that embraces this friction and becomes like that person who uses that to get to the next level. And this is a fantastic way for Muslims to frame the difficulties that we face and the calamities that we face in our life. There's a hadith that says how wonderful are the affairs of the believer. If he encounters good, he is thankful for it and he is rewarded for it. But if he encounters hardship, he is patient and he is rewarded for that as well. So life is a test, right, of good and bad. That I will test you, Allah says, with good and evil. Both of them are a fitna, both of them are a test. So to come back to the verse then, the first people, they drank their fill and they were knocked out. They failed that first test. And then the next people after that, even from amongst them, now this is a select band of people. And from them as well, there were some people who didn't succeed at this next step when they saw Jalut and his army. But a certain band of the people that were remaining, they still realized that actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one who makes us succeed. And he is the one who can make even a small group of people succeed against a large group of people. You can succeed against the odds if you've got belief and if you've got Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on your side. And if you're wise and intelligent and strategic about it as well. So I think there's a lot of lessons for us there. I could probably go on, but I think we should carry on. I want to not take up too much of your time, especially with iftar approaching as well in certain places. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he goes on, he says, وَلَمَّا بَرَزُوا لِجَالُوتَ وَجُنُودِهِ قَالُوا رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْنَا صَبْرًا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ When they advanced to face Goliath and his warriors, they prayed, Our Lord, shower us with perseverance, make our steps firm and give us victory over this army. And ultimately, obviously, these guys, they succeeded. Allah SWT, he says, فَهَزَمُوهُمْ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَقَتَلَ دَاوُودُ جَالُوتَ وَآتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْمُلْكَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَعَلَّمَهُ مِمَّا يَشَاءُ وَلَوْلَا دَفْعُ اللَّهِ النَّاسَ بَعْضَهُمْ بِبَعْضٍ لَفَسَدَتِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ ذُو فَضْلٍ عَلَى الْعَالَمِينَ 
So they defeated them by Allah's will, and David killed Goliath, and Allah blessed David with kingship and wisdom, and taught him what he willed. Had Allah not repelled a group of people by the might of another, corruption would have dominated the earth, but Allah is gracious to all. Going back to the first verse, when these people, they were at the crunch point, right? They've been through so many tests and they've become this incredibly purified and very spiritual and God-conscious group of people. But even at that point, they realize that it is from the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they would be able to win in these kind of situations and they pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the lesson for us is that we have to ask Allah for help when it comes to crunch moments. We should make istikhara, we should turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but not just at crunch moments, but also in times of ease as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he talks about how people, they forget about him when they're in times of ease, but then when they're on a ship, in a storm, the person they turn to at that point is obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we shouldn't be like those people who are only going to turn to Allah in times of hardship. We should turn to him both in times of hardship and in ease. But specifically when it comes to crunch moments, then of course it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should be turning to. And then the final verse that I really wanted to talk about today and then wrap up. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, very specifically, he says, then they defeated them, but they defeated them by Allah's will, by Allah's will. And David ultimately, he killed Goliath and Allah blessed David with kingship and wisdom and taught him with what he had willed. And then a really, really interesting thing happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْلَا دَفْعُ اللَّهِ النَّاسَ بَعْضَهُمْ بِبَعْضُ Had Allah not repelled a group of people by the might of another, corruption would have dominated the earth. But Allah is gracious to all. This is actually the key bit of the verses that made me really start thinking about this whole friction concept. We often think about conflict, warfare, dispute as things that are deeply destructive. And of course, in most of the time they are. But within that, there is also a huge amount of construction that happens and the birth of new things that happens and progress that it gives rise to. And we should never forget that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, well, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not use one group of people to keep another group of people in check, basically is what he's saying, then corruption would have spread in the land. And so, again, this is making the point that this this friction, this concept of friction is something that we should have a very, very healthy attitude towards because that is the thing that would allow us to get further in life. There's a saying, I'm not sure if this is a hadith or not, that dunya is the sijnul mu'min wa jannatul kafir, that the dunya is the prison of the believing folk and the paradise of the disbelieving folk. And the idea here is that the person who is optimizing for the hereafter, he isn't cashing in his chips in this dunya. He is rolling over and trying to go big for the akhirah. Whereas the person who is actually optimizing for an outcome right here, right now, then of course he is optimizing for that. And he is cashing in his chips. Again, really to reiterate the point that I've made, I think a few times during these verses, we should embrace the hardship and Ramadan, this whole point of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has built in this training phase where we put our bodies and our minds and our spirits, we resist the temptation to fulfill our carnal bodily desires purely 
for the sake and the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he describes obviously in the Quran, many of you will have heard the verse already this month. يَا أَيُّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Allah SWT has ordained upon us fasting like He did for those before us so that we may become righteous, so that we may have taqwa, so that we have that ability to protect ourselves from evil, so that we have that strength, that we build up that muscle memory, that strength and that resistive power to be able to deal with temptation. And all of this imbued within it is this concept of friction. We train ourselves up by this little bit of friction every year for one month where we train ourselves and then thereafter we're well set for the rest of the year. That's it pretty much for me today. I know there's a slightly different kind of discussion today but I thought I'd just share what I'd been reflecting on for the last few days. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.